Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the X and O's podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Hunter. Give me the game plan for everything going on in NBA world and everything else going in the basketball world. Today, we got a very, very special guest, my man, the pod god, Rob Shaw, host of the Shaw's Lord Pod. What's going on, man? What's going on, X? I'm excited to be here. Hey, nah, it's, it's an honor to have you here. We got a lot of things to talk about, but first... You got to talk about how the league just shifted with this Harden trade, man. Like, I didn't think it was going to pull the trigger this fast, but Harden said he was out, and just in a matter of time before he's finally in Nets uniform, man. What's you, what your thoughts on that? So, we can agree that the Lakers are, or before this trade, the Lakers were clearly the class of the league, the team to beat. Right. Yo, they kicked the Rockets' head in. Like, it's not a coincidence that, like, the Rockets got their heads kicked in by the Lakers, and James Harden went to the podium and said, yo, we don't have enough to win. Yeah. Like, if that's the team he has to beat to come out of the West, like, they kicked his head in, he said, oh, nah, this ain't going to be it. Like, that was the final straw. And then it was only a matter of time, too. That press conference, he was like, I don't know if this can be fixed and all this, that, and the third. I was like, bro, like, you really just want to give up. Like, not give up, but it's like, you really going to air this probably like that. But I understand his frustrations, but at the same time, it was kind of weird how everything fell out so quickly with the whole COVID situation, him in the club, and then him just trying to force his way out. It was kind of like the AB. It's kind of remind me of like how AB was, you know? I mean, he was just going through his little little thing. But I salute Harden, and I salute the trade, but Rockets definitely lost that trade. I agree. Just, like, I understand that they got three pick swaps and four firsts. This isn't the Celtics trade though. Like I know that's what people want to think of when they see dang Brooklyn gave up a bunch of stuff again and pick swaps. Cause that's how the Celtics got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. This isn't that because it's not washed Paul Pierce and washed KG. Yeah. This is a perennial top five MVP finisher right now, like consistently. Those pick swaps, as long as the Nets are better than the Rockets, which they will continue to be for the foreseeable future unless something really sours, the pick swaps don't mean anything. If the Nets are 10 games better than the Rockets, why would the Rockets want to swap with them? So the pick swaps are like a wash unless something very dramatic happens. It looks cool to say we got all these assets, but if the Nets are going to be way better than you, you're not going to swap picks with them. So... What's the point? Right. Um, and the, the draft picks start this year. Well, this year, the Nets pick we know is going to suck because we expect them to be a good team. At the very worst, I mean, at the very best, it's like a top 20 pick, and I don't think it'll be that. It'll probably be somewhere between 22 and 27. Right. So that's already started. And then there's a chance where we step out in the – third uh, so like 2025 when the picks are conveyed like there's a chance that that pick might be good yeah but honestly if the nets went to two finals and win one of those that was worth it this is a franchise that's dying to be big brother in a city that the knicks have had a stranglehold on for as long as anybody can remember 
winning a championship with two of the premier Nike guys and then the head honcho at Adidas in Brooklyn is a marketing dream. Big time. Big time. I can already picture the billboards in Times Square, even just the different commercials. That market just to tap into, they're, they're in heaven right now. They're planning campaigns years from now, already right now. Yeah, they can't wait. Like, there's basketball issues that I'm sure me and you will address. Um, the first one is defense. Yeah, for sure. They definitely lost Jerry Allen and Tarian Prince. So that front court's looking a little shaky, and it's going to look funny. Not really funny. It's going to be very interesting to see when they play bigger teams like Boston and Milwaukee and Philly. They, the Nets need, well, first of all, they will be because this is now a title contender. And once you're a title contender, you get ring chasers. Facts. So next offseason, expect like vets that are coming towards the end but are still useful to try and latch on to Brooklyn. Um, for example, think David, how David West uh, wound up in Golden State. Right. And how Serge Ibaka is in L.A. Yes. And Marcus Saul is in L.A. Like those exactly. type of moves. Perfect examples. For this upcoming season, the Nets need to be super aggressive on the buyout market. I haven't gone through the buyout market, but the first name that comes to mind is uh, JaVale McGee. There's a lot of bigs now in Cleveland. Um, Jared Allen, Andre Drummond. You've got Larry Nance and Kevin Love still. Kevin Love and Larry Nance. Yeah, there's a lot of bigs. McGee is a fly buyout candidate. He's not perfect because he can be a goofball, but if you have the right infrastructure, like he, we've seen him be super cool in Golden State. We've seen him be super cool with LeBron. You got to take a swing if you're the Nets because you do lack size. And they're just like DeAndre Jordan's cool, but they're not bouncy or explosive defensively around the rim anymore now that Jared Allen's gone. Yeah, no. And then you don't know the type of potential uh, Nick's Claxton has. Not yet, at least. He's still testing the waters. All right, let me shoot you a question. What's up? Alex Lynn was just released. Is that somebody the Nets should throw a feeler out at? I'm not sure. I, I'm kind of iffy on that only because of the defensive end. I don't trust him defensively, and I don't trust him rebounding-wise. Uh, he can space out the floor enough to where he's out the way, but I don't see him as a solid defensive pickup. You need somebody, like you said, with as a JaVale McGee. I'm in the same camp. I like Alex Lynn. But he's just not, he's not what the Nets need. He, he brings size, but they sort of need like a low maintenance, rugged guy. Yeah, just like the, they just need a scrappy guy, just someone to just bang on the boards and play defense. It was funny that you mentioned JaVale McGee too, because I've noticed how, at first for the Lakers, how their rim protection kind of struggled early on because they missed out on the White Howard and missed out on JaVale McGee. But I've seen now, as of late, they've kind of stepped it up, but at first they were getting exposed very bad. Well, they added Marc Gasol, who at this point is a very good team defender and like very a very smart defender. But sometimes it just comes down to these are the most athletic guys in the world. You need to just match that athleticism at the apex. 
Right. You can be the smartest team defender in the world. If a dude is a great athlete, he's going to hammer it on you. And you're going to be in film like, nah, coach, I was in the right spot. We were just on the same elevator. He got off two floors higher. That's sad. It's kind of sad, too. Do I imagine you really being in a film room like that? And what, like, as a coach, what would you say to that? No, there's, there's nothing you can really say because there's times where, as a good help defender, you do beat a guy to the spot. But this is the NBA. He might take one step and then sidestep you. Or some of those guys are just going to go right over you or right through you. Like, there's a reason why they call charges giving up the body. Because somebody is trying, sometimes they're going right through your chest. And you might not feel it in the moment, but you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, where's the ice bath? Facts. Give me, I need 20 minutes of ice bath today instead of 10. So looking at Karis LeVert, he, they found a mass in his kidney, so he's out for a while. But he's on the Indiana Pacers. Barring from injury with LeVert on, on paper, how do you see this Pacers roster? First of all, I love Karis LeVert. Yes. So I love LeVert. And then Brogdon has a little Chauncey Billups in him. Sabonis is playing at a super high level. And coaching matters in the NBA because we were, when I was doing off-season pods, I'm talking to people about, hey, what do you think of this Sabonis-Turner matchup? Do you have to get rid of one? Because that's what we were led to believe. And then I'm going to butcher his name, Nate. Borkian? Make, make, make Bork, yeah, something like that. Um, has come in and he's made it work. So Nate McMillan may have been the issue. And with TJ Warren out, I loved the Karis Levert signing because to me, he wasn't there to replace Victor Oladipo. Karis Levert was there to replace TJ Warren because TJ Warren is a bucket. And Sabonis is cool. Turner's cool. I love the Holiday Brothers. Brogdon is cool. But like none of those guys would you just describe as, hey, it's late. The shot clock's winding down. Can you create offense for yourself at a very high level? Do you have that microwave venue? He comes in and he fills that need immediately. Yeah, I just need a guy that can just at any point get hot and then just take over the game from there. No questions asked, no nothing about it. do you have it in you or not. Exactly. So looking at the Cavs roster, how do you see Jared Allen fit in with this Cavs roster? Let's say they make some moves with the big men. They trade away Love or Drummond or anyone. They make moves. You have Sexton, you have Garland. You still have a very young roster. What do you see going on with the Cavs? It's scary hours in Cleveland, honestly. <laughs> Kobe Altman's building something over there. It's it's fly. You have Sexlin, the Garland, Collins. Oh, man, they're, yeah. they're just fun. They're tough. Okoro is built like, like a damn Greek god. That guy is a freak of nature. He's, He's like a basketball like, Metcalf. Yeah, he just, that's a good one. That's basketball DJ DJ Metcalf. That's yeah, perfect. Facts. Facts. And then you add in Jared Allen, who's what the Nets are missing. Like that's why everybody knows that that was a big piece in the trade because he's vertical. He blocks shots. 
he's he's just solid all around and he's young and still improving. And right. like talked about that athleticism of, hey, if I'm in the right spot, I can go get it because my athleticism matches up with the best guys in the league. Just throw it up and That's I it. got it. Yeah. Simple. Um, and it's funny too that Kyrie's first game back from his little, from his hiatus, uh much needed pause for him. We're not going to blame him for nothing like that. But you finally have the big three in Brooklyn playing, and Colin Sexton goes off for, for 40. Colin hey. Sexton killed that man wearing that man's number and that man's sneakers. He, he was dressed as Kyrie Irving for Halloween and killed Kyrie Irving. Like, literally. And it was crazy because when you look at the stat line, Kyrie had 37, I believe – KD had 40, and then Harden had another triple-double, and yet you lose in double overtime. That's the reason why you see Colin Sexton is known as the young boy. I think that was his for-real coming-out party. We've been seeing him put up some numbers lately, but this is his coming-out party. That's like, uh, to me, that's the equivalent of Steph's big game at the Garden. That might have been, that it was on a national stage. Everybody was like everybody's tuned in because it's the Nets new big three. I like the way the Nets played. I think there needs to be a little bit of shot redistribution, Mm -hmm. but like we've all hooped before. Sometimes a dude gets hot and there's nothing you can do. Like you're just dead. And Colin Sexton entered that zone. It did it. All five of them got a bucket at some point. Joe Harris was out there. Carved up Joe Harris real quick. Jeff Green, you're going to get a sidestep three. Kyrie, this is right on your head to go to overtime. Durant, you thought you were going to come get a stop because you're tall? No, I'm sizing you up the whole time. You're a step too far. There's three on your head. He was just, dude was in fuego. Nah, he really had his takeover badge and just blacked out on it. So with the Cavs play so far, do you see Cleveland sneaking into the playoffs? I think they are – this is such a cop-out because, like, now they're doing the little playing games for 7, uh, 8, 9, and 10. Yeah. And saying that somebody's involved in that – well, there's only five teams that aren't involved in that in each conference. But I do think the Cavs are sort of in that mix. Like, they'll play – I could see them finishing anywhere between 8 and 10. And if – Sexlin or Garland sort of finds a rhythm in like a short play-in tournament type of thing, you could be dead. This is basketball. Like one guy can really take over a game. Yeah. Like this isn't football where your quarterback's hot, but then the other quarterback can be hot and you might not never touch the ball again. No, like one dude can really hamstring everything. It's what we watched last night. The Nets should have, uh, well, the Cavs were up early, but when the Nets came back, they had that game won, and then Sexton buried a three. And then the Nets started the second overtime kind of cold, and there was just no quit in Colin Sexton. He just fried everything that was in front of him. For sure. So... That reminded me, if you're talking about the playing rounds, I... I Forgot all about that, to be honest. I forgot that's they're doing that again. 
So that reminds me, could it be have a Portland situation to where again they catch somebody off guard and they sneak into the playoffs? Who else do you think could be that type of Cinderella story? In the East? It, just in general, East and West. Could we see another Cinderella repeat? Oh God, this is horrible. In my brain, my brain wants to say these words, and I don't want to really I don't want these words on wax. Oh man. I think the Knicks might like make a have a chance. God, I can't believe I just said Yo, that. Nah, nah, no, 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 nah. Don't can't regret it. Knicks are making the playoffs. They're in the third. If they make it to the on wax. If the if the Nick New York Knicks, I'm gonna know it, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it for you. If the New York Knickerbockers are in at least a play-in round, they're making the playoffs. And if we get a two-seven matchup of Brooklyn and New York, expect that to happen. And that would be that might be the final straw with COVID for me. If we got a two-seven and it was Knicks and Nets, and I couldn't pull up to the Barclays or the Garden yeah. with my brother, that might be the final straw for me. Like, that, me and COVID might have to shoot the ones then. Yeah, it's bad, bad enough we couldn't enjoy the finals with COVID. Yeah, like, a, oh, man, a Subway series in basketball in the playoffs and the and Middle COVID of the summer? Watch from home? What? In the man. middle of dead, in the dead center of summertime, too? Nah. Nah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So, speak, I'm glad you brought up COVID. So, NBA has been facing a lot of COVID issues in the past couple of weeks. Uh, the Wizards, they haven't played a game in nearly two weeks because of everything. And we just saw earlier how the Grizzlies have three games are postponed because of COVID. What should the league do right now? Should they say, you know what, we're going to pause the season for a week or two, get everything right, or they just keep going next man up and just play through it. You still in Jersey? Yeah, I'm still in Jersey. You ever heard of Carl Anthony Towns? He's oh, from Jersey. Sure. Yeah, he's from he's from up north though, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, his mom died from COVID. Yeah. He's he going through COVID. The league needs to take a pause and get this under control. Or it's not going to be somebody adjacent to one of the players. We're going to have a scary moment with one of the players. And we're going to get a press release. Like, that's what they're going to tell. Yo, so-and-so was in the hospital with COVID. Things are bad. And the best they're going to be able to do is give us a press release. Mm -hmm. The league needs to take a second and figure out what's going on. Do we go back to a bubble? Having to cancel three games... Like, it's one thing when they're going, hey, we're canceling Memphis for Friday. And then they play again Sunday, and then we get to Sunday, and they decide, all right, we're also canceling Sunday. And then if they would have got to Monday, and they said, all right, we're also canceling Monday. That's not what happened. It's so bad that they can't field a team of eight players, so they're just saying, yo, we're canceling all three of your games right now. They need to get this together before we have another basketball tragedy on our hand uh, not apples to apples but like a len bias situation where oh yeah we lose somebody in the basketball stratosphere we're coming up on the anniversary of kobe's passing like, yeah this is let's not lose anybody else in our world because we wouldn't take a two-week hiatus to calm things down 
and even on even that's like very worst case scenario that's worst case scenario even on a smaller scale of what could possibly happen let's say with the guy from florida when he had collapsed on the floor and they, uh, Keontae Johnson? Yeah, yeah, Keontae Johnson from Florida. And how he collapsed on the floor, and they said he was fine, like, normal, whatever, and they also tried to, like, say he had COVID. So, if he didn't know he had COVID in his body, and you know how these are world-class athletes, who's to say something similar like that could happen, and it's like, now we would have to do something. And I know the NBA is testing, and they're trying to do things to minimize the interactions, but these are, let's call it spade a spade. They're, they're doing stupid stuff. They're adding security to stop players from like dapping each other up post pregame. So what you're telling me is these dudes that sweated on each other and shared the same ball in the general same space, you know how close you are to somebody at the free throw line for 48 basketball minutes but two two and a half hours of real time your idea to stop them from touching each other like shaking hands at the end of the game is to inject more people into the situation you're going to go put two security guards at each basket or so now you're injecting four more people to the situation that's the plan yeah and that's similar too i remember uh darren fox was saying something about how they can't eat on a plane while they're traveling, he's like, well, I was just at practice with the guy, so now I can't sex to him and eat chips on the plane. Like, that means we shouldn't be playing at that point. Agreed. Like, we can't interact with each other. You can't minimize the interactions with somebody if you're going to go play basketball with them. I understand the minimizing the interactions with the other team before the game, sort of. But if you think I'm going to get it from the handshake, dog, I'm definitely going to get it when me and him get tangled up under the basket for a jump ball. Exactly. Exactly. Now think about what George Hill said in a press conference when he was talking about how him seeing his family is a problem. And he was like, well, if I can't see my family, what is that? That means we shouldn't be playing at all. If I can't go see my family and spend time with my family, well, that means I should I can't be around my teammates. I can't be around anybody else. I kind of feel from on that, but at the same time, like it makes sense because like, oh, well, if we're able to do these things, then what's wrong with me doing this? But at the same time, I understand. But it's all it's all one big clusterfuck, to be honest. It's just really jammed up, and I get from the league's perspective. They've lost money. Like, they're already talking about trying to expand. And I'm sure that was something that was already in the back of Adam Silver's head. Right. But the revenue they lost since COVID has him probably, he put that feeler out there to see, hey, what's the consensus? Because they're losing money. They, COVID has the NBA so bad, you can't tell me somebody's March schedule right now because they haven't released the back half of the schedule because things are so jammed up right now. Now, with that, do you think the NBA would do a Maxine Van Date? Uh, I would assume it's... I, I don't know what the rules are on that. I, can you force somebody to get the vaccine at any job? I don't think so, technically. 
Technically, like, I don't think is, so. This is a little bit different. I'd assume even the vaccine would have to go through the players' union. Right. Uh, they'd have to say, look, we're cool with this, or the players' union would have to give it a vote and then bring those results back to the NBA. But I don't think without running it through the players' union, they can mandate a vaccine and even if it's passed by the players union i think players that vote no are still going to be able to say or i'm not even sure honestly but my first guess is it goes through um the mp the nba players association that was and i was thinking about that when they were first distributing vaccines that's been my mind since the whole vaccine talks was a thing like, who's going to be the league that's going to be like, are they going to force the players to take it? Or how big of an issue would it be in sports leagues if a player doesn't decide to get vaccine or does decide to get vaccine? Like, you know, uh, it's tricky because nobody knows what's going on right now. Well, the NBA is in a particularly tough spot. It's come full circle on them. The NBA was very late in its season when COVID happened. So then they were able to successfully execute the bubble. Right. But now, since they were late in their season, their season has come back around. And there's certain things about basketball that other sports don't have to deal with. Like the NFL isn't probably going to have to mandate the vaccine because they've gotten through their season. They had some bumps in the road, but ultimately it looks like they're going to get through their season without an issue. Baseball was able to get through its season. They had their bumps in the road, but they could, they were able to get through their season. So if you've already gotten through your season, you might not want to come up with that issue of, do we force our players to get vaccinated? Because you're still in your early stage of the offseason. And then we got through a season without the vaccine. The yeah. NBA is canceling games every single night at this point. If they want to finish their season, they might have to have the vaccine conversation. So we praise them for killing the bubble, but some of the bubble was circumstantial. You only had to invite 22 of your 30 teams. And after once the playoffs start, you get rid of six teams right automatically. And, so then, as soon as they get, and as soon as they get eliminated, they're, they have to leave that night right there exactly. and there. So it's just, it was getting smaller and smaller for the regular season, there is no way to get smaller. You're not eliminating teams after a series or after a loss. So it just makes a bubble scenario really tough. Now, now that you mentioned a bubble, uh, the NCAA tournament, they're going to have a bubble type of situation where they're going to have all 64 or 68 teams in this one space. Does... How how do you think would that play out? Now you have all these different teams in this one area. You're going to have, I'm assuming you have different courts. I'm assuming you're going to have different courts to different regions, everything like that. But still, how do you manage that? Because now that's even a larger level compared to the NBA when they had 22 teams. Now you have three times as that. First thing I do as uh, NCAA president I reach out to uh, the basketball tournament because they did it this summer, um, a smaller number, but it's the same thing. It's a one and done tournament. So after the first weekend, you're already down to 32 teams because it's one game and you're out. 
you want them out as soon as possible. It's in Indiana. I'd assume Indiana has multiple venues where you can put a region at a venue, at each venue, or two regions at a venue. You could use where the Pacers play and Assembly Hall, the, where Indiana University plays. And if you, even and I'm sure they have more gyms available, but just like that, if you 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 put 32 teams there, and you can and put they, they had the final four at Lucas Oil, so you can Lucas definitely Oil, use okay, yeah, perfect. you can definitely use that. So you put 32 teams here, 32 teams there, and then by the end of it, you're at 16 teams, and it just it's so much more easy to manage because once a team loses you literally have to just get them out and then you don't worry about them anymore. Right. It's not multiple games with that team. So I do think this will work. I don't... This is going to be a very interesting tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if numbers continue to increase. We see some teams or some schools say, hey... We're going to bow out of this. Like the Ivy League was the first ones to bow out of doing a conference tournament and then college basketball all together last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they said, hey, our, we're not taking an at-large bid. We'll send you our regular season champion, and that's it. And if numbers continue to rise, they might say, no, we're not sending you anything. Uh, instead of there being 31 uh, automatic bids, there's going to be 32 this year because the Ivy League's not participating or the Big 12, to, just as an example. Right. That just that just scares me because it's January and we're talking about something that's happening in March and we don't even know what's happening next week with the COVID situation. It's It's got us jammed up, bro. It really does. Like March is when it shut down last year. March was the beginning of last year's shutdown. And we're almost back there. So you can't even say, well, in March, maybe the weather is going to break and the warm weather will hold it. We just went through a summer of COVID. And while the numbers did drop a little bit, it still they, did not take us out of a global pandemic. No. And then when the weather broke back again, it got even worse. And here we are now. That's, but moving away from COVID onto a brighter note, uh, what are some standout teams or players that really brought out to you? I know for me, Christian Wood and uh, Jeremy Grant, those are two players that's really been catching my eye lately. And my sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson. Can I give Jeremy Grant his flowers? Yes, we got to give Jeremy Grant his flowers right now. Bro, I killed Jeremy Grant and the Pistons this summer. I'm, I'm going to put this on like a hat. I'm going to wear this one, bro. <laughs> I crush them you guys paid what for the nuggets backups yeah and i thought the pistons were going to be bad and they have been bad but i thought they were going to be bad and jeremy grant was going to be 17 18 points a night no they've been bad but jeremy grant is giving you 25 a night that is more points than james harden paul george and Kawhi leonard for context we knew the pistons were going to be bad they can be bad, but scoring 25 in the NBA is still 25 in the NBA. Regardless. So I have to give that man his flowers. He's better than I thought. He knew 
what know your worth, bet on yourself, all, all those things you see all over the internet. He really took all those to heart, and he's out here doing his thing. Facts. Shout out, shout out to Jeremy Grant. And also with your bet on yourself story, Christian Wood, when he moved over to Houston. Even with all through that, it's been ups and downs. It's been a shit show in Houston, but he's still putting up his numbers. I think he has a little bit less. He's about like that 23, 24-point range. But that most improved player award contest really is going to be close to me. Oh, man. Keldon Johnson from the, the Spurs in general have a bunch of young guys. They've really impressed me. And you might have to add Sexton to that conversation. Oh, you do have to add Sexton yeah, you, to that conversation. Yeah, 25 a- in the NBA is a lot of points. Once you average 25 in the NBA, like, you want to say, uh, yo, I'm a bona fide bucket? Who's arguing? Nobody, nobody's gonna argue. I think once once you get that twenty five, that's when the money start talking. Because like twenty in the NBA is a healthy number, but twenty five is really nah, man. You went out there every night, and you might have had some bad nights, but overall, there wasn't nothing they could do with you. Nah, you you the number one guy on your team. It, it shows that you you number one over there. For context, um, people think Jamal Murray is gonna take the next leap and. Jamal Murray averaged 18 last year. Just to put in context, like, he's seven away from 25. He didn't even average 20 last year, and this is one of the – some people call him, like, a rising star in our league. So he he didn't get to 20. Granted, he was on a very good team and the team that might share the ball better than most. But just in context, he didn't get you 20, and now – a former teammate of his is getting 25 a night. So how how do you think Denver would feel about that, given that, okay, you see the production out of this guy, and this guy didn't want, be, didn't want to be that third or fourth option on the team? Do you feel as though I should have bit that bullet and kept him, or you just be like, it is what it is? Well, Denver's belief, I don't know if it's right, or wrong, but Denver's belief is Michael Porter Jr. is still on his rookie contract. That's a lot easier to swallow uh, MPJ's rookie contract than a big number of $20 million a year for Jeremy Grant. For sure. So you uh, you would hope that Porter brings to, brings to the table the things that you lost with Grant. You just got... You pretty much got a bet on that. And... Do I see that with NPJ right now? I do, but not all the way. I still got to see a little bit more when that bubble talk. I got to see more about that. And they also believe in their internal development. Like, they believe in Bull Bull. They took RJ Hampton. They took Zeke Naji. And we've watched them develop their guys. So I'm sure they said, I'd rather invest that time and energy into some of these young guys that could be contributors. I'm a very firm believer that in two years, RJ Hampton is going to take Gary Harris's spot and it's going to be Murray and Harris in the back, not Murray. It's going to be Murray and Hampton in the backcourt. I'm thinking about that. That, that would be nice. That would be nice. And I wouldn't be surprised that happens within the next one or two more, one or two years now. Um, moving over to Phoenix, you think you had me thinking about 
internal development. Now I'm looking at Phoenix. What do you do now? You have the vet and Chris Paul. You have your young stars in Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And you have a young core in, in, in Miles Bridges and everyone else. What do you do? Do you go after more savvy vets or do you continue to go young and just ride this season out? You got to just ride this season out and really be proud of, like you said, their internal development. Mikhail Bridges has taken a monster step forward. And you just let Booker, Bridges, and Aiton, and Cam Johnson soak up all that Chris Paul knowledge. And you saw on a smaller scale how we talked about how there's going to be like ring chasers that go to the nets. Right. I wouldn't call this guy a ring chaser, but Chris Paul went to Phoenix and all of a sudden they were a viable option for Jay Crowder. Like Jay Chris Paul brings credibility and he brings, Hey, vets are going to want to be around me. And you just let those young guys soak up those, that knowledge from them. You get some playoff experience and now you're trying to build to be a perennial playoff team. So you're going to do everything the Pelicans didn't do with Anthony Davis. Yeah, you do do that. And that speaks to a larger thing that sometimes guys are so good, they make it hard to build around them. I thought that was the first problem. LeBron's, I thought that was the problem the first time with LeBron in Cleveland. He got good so fast that they weren't getting high lottery picks to build around him. So you had to like try and convince players to come and live in Cleveland. And who would want to live in Cleveland? Quote unquote, Joe Kim Noah, but no, yeah. no, but that's what happens. Like if a, if a young player gets too good, too fast, and you don't have other young pieces around him, it gets difficult to build around him. Like you are a bottom team and you got this superstar and LeBron is literally just, uplifting those Cavs teams but there was still nobody you could trade to get better young pieces because they already see sort of what happened with Anthony Davis on a much smaller scale but he was good he had an impact and then those picks that were like they had the first pick and then the next year it's the 10 pick or the 8 pick it happens really quick when a dude just makes that impact and you didn't have other young pieces for sure for sure i like that i like that so on twitter you brought up an interesting conversation about the best nicknames in sports you talked about kevin Durant, slim reaper i was talking about kobe bryant's black mamba nickname so what what do you think are the best nicknames in basketball past and present all right i'm an alliteration guy so Allen the Answer Iverson is going to work. Um, Davis Bertans, uh, the Latvian Laser. I actually really like that one because that dude got a clip. <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> he's pulling from half court pretty much. Yeah, like a dude with a clip, um, AK-47. I'm normally a big proponent of initials and number nicknames suck. But AK-47 is a gun. And Andre Karolinko was Russian, and the AK-47 was manufactured in Russia, so that one gets a pass. It's all—it's all—it was just made for all that to happen. 
My thing is, I remember watching the USA camp back in 2014, and Steph Curry was wearing 43. And it was just so interesting to see Curry 4-3. And, you know, at that time, Curry is just doing Curry stuff. And I was thinking, like, yo, what if he really changed his number to 43? And this is when he was averaging 38 game in fucking three quarters. Like, this is when Curry was, like, really, really Curry. I'm like, whoa, if this guy really changes number to 43, it'll be probably bigger than MJ's 23. That's... Curry four three. I I've never thought of that. You you might need to DM Steph <laughs> and just yo, be like, yo, I got the answer right here. Yeah, like nah, yo, Steph, holla at me if you need a new nickname. But that's also like with Paul George. It was obviously easier for the change from twenty four to thirteen. Easy marketing to move. Uh, I'm trying to think of other nicknames. The big that, ticket is one of my favorite. Big ticket. I love I love big dog. Oh, was Big Glenn Dog, Glenn Rob? Yeah, Big Dog. That's just, it's just, just when you hear Big Dog, that just lets you know, like, I'm here. Like, you, you, can't, you can't mess with him. Like, yeah, yeah, this you know? dude's not for play-play. Yeah, no, like, once you hear that, that's how, that's how you already know. Um, it was really that. And something about Nick the Quick, Fane Axel. Oh, Nick, th- Nick the Quick yeah, is a good one. Just, it was just something about his game that something the Quick was perfect for him. And Iceman. George Iceman Gervin, I think that's the one guy whose game speaks for his nickname. You know, Iceman is... I, this conversation came up because KD stopped being a big sucker and finally acknowledged the Slim Reaper nickname. After it's all like, these years. It's just perfect. Like, that's one, like... He's tall and long, and he's really bringing death to you when you're on the court. Like, if L- that's your key. matchup, no, you're a dead man. Low-key at that. Nothing flashy, just click-slash. That's it. There's no there's no color to it. Um, for me, uh, Steph Curry has always been the human torch to me because it's just, it's just flame on. Like, when that guy gets hot, everything in front, it's scorched earth. I, I, that's the first time I'm actually hearing that. That actually should be his actual nickname to be remembered. You know how Superman is mm-hmm. Superman's Dwight Howard, Shaq, Flash, Dwayne Wade, Human Torch with Seth Curry, and they could form like a little basketball Avengers. That would be dope. Imagine a, imagine a whole Avengers roster of basketball players. Oh, we could make that happen. That, that could be an article. <laughs> so with that, I'm trying to think of one more thing to pick up your mind. If you had to choose between LeBron James, Space Jam, and Michael Jordan, Space Jam. Well, I haven't seen LeBron Space Jam. I haven't seen LeBron Space Jam. And I'm I'm 31, so I imagine it's going to take a lot for him to overcome the nostalgia factor for me. Okay, okay. I am interested to see who he is able to get to be in it with him. Like, Mike had Patrick Ewing and Sean Bradley and Charles Barkley. And he, even, and he also had um, Muggsy Bogues. And I want to know, is LeBron's cast going to be like that? Because some of those guys are NBA Hall of Famers. Some of those guys were career role players. Uh 
looking at the list right now. Because it's funny that you brought that up. Uh, so far, you have LeBron, Don Cheadle, uh, NBA players, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, and Kyle Kuzma makes an appearance. Also, you have WNBA players, Diane Taurasi, uh, Ineka Numike, and her sister, Chini Numike, are set to make cameo appearances. Okay, so the what I heard is LeBron got all real hoopers and Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, pretty much. Like, he got a, a list of A-list dudes, or A-list guys and gals, and then Kyle Kuzma is, like, the weirdest one in the bunch, but he's a Laker, he's LeBron's teammate, he has social cachet, so I get it. He'll probably just be, like, the extra basketball player on, like, the Lakers side, you know, before the Looney Tunes pop in, like, that type of scene. Or he'll probably be somewhere in the locker room. I don't think it would be... Who would want to steal Kyle Kuzma's talent, though? Oh, man, that's rough. <laughs> like, really think about, like, like, could you really imagine a scene in Space Jam where that one of the aliens really tries to steal Kyle Kuzma's talent? And, and they try to dress like him? Model? Yeah, it just turns to an uh, IG model. He's just like, yo, my social media followers went up crazy. I'm, like, not, any yeah. better, I'm not any better at the game. <laughs> Facts. Nah, but Space Jam, A New Legacy would be out soon on HBO Max. They still haven't dropped the release date, but as they said, it will be coming out soon, though. So I can't wait to see when that drops. Definitely going to be watching that. But it's a pleasure having you, Rob Shaw. Go follow my man at Shaw's Law Podcast on Twitter. Follow uh, the Shaw's Law Podcast wherever on all streaming platforms or podcasts are available. Pleasure to have you. My name is Xavier Hunter, and you tune into another episode of X-Nose Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and let's just see where this basketball madness take us.